0: Thank you, Encore. Thank you, Mike and Azure, for leading them. I appreciate your ministry of music. To start out, raise your hand if you have a sign, a poster, some type of fixture in your home, Uh, and I believe I have something on the screen for you, Joshua 2415 on it, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many of you have a sign, a picture on it? All right, good amount. The hands are popping up. I think this is a pretty familiar verse. Uh, it's a memorable verse that I think a lot of us are aware of. We have it posted around our homes. I know I've been in several different homes that uh, this uh, is, is on a sign. I, we have it in, in Jen and I's home. So you probably have seen it uh, around. You probably are aware of this, this verse. And just as we start out, just to clarify this portion that I had uh, up on the screen is actually not the whole verse of Joshua 24:15, 15. And, and the whole verse is what I want us to consider tonight as we consider Joshua 24:15. So let me read our verse for us. The full part of it, and actually just kind of the memorable, memorable part that we know of, only comes at the end. It reads this way. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So that is the verse that we will be uh, considering together this evening. And as we begin considering this, this verse this evening, I want to start out by saying that what we find in this verse is a commitment, a commitment. Have you ever thought about this phrase, and especially if you have it in your home, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is a commitment. Have you ever thought of it that way? It's something you are saying you will do. It's something that you are committing yourself to. This whole verse is speaking of a commitment that is being made. And the question I'll have us consider then as we begin this study, is this verse just a decoration in your home? Or... Is it actually a commitment that you have made and you are striving to live out? Okay, we have this posted in our homes. We have it hanging up. Is it just as a decoration? Is it just something to, to say we're a Christian family? Or is it more, it's actually a commitment that we've made and we're living it out? So our theme for this evening as we consider Joshua 24, 15 is considering a commitment made and if we have made and are carrying out this commitment. So Joshua 24, 15, it comes near the very end of the book of Joshua. It's in chapter 24. The last chapter in the book of Joshua comes at the very end. And it's, this verse is found within uh, the last speech that Joshua gives to the people of Israel. He gives two speeches at the end of the book of Joshua. This is found at the, in the second of those two speeches to all of Israel. It's after they've conquered the land, they've divvied out this land, and they are preparing to live in this land. That is where our verse is found. That's where it's given and spoken to the Israelites. Joshua, in our verse and in in these speeches, he's directing the people of Israel in how they are to live in the land of Canaan now that it's theirs. So it's kind of a a nice wrap-up, a nice challenge to the people as they go and they live out in their land. So what I want to consider Uh, This evening, as we consider Joshua 24, 15, is I want to consider the the many different aspects of this commitment, and especially how they apply to our lives. So I want to really dive into this verse, dive into this commitment, and I want us to, to really be thinking, how does this apply to our lives? So the first of these aspects that I want us to consider for this this commitment is, I'd say, the most basic, but it's the most important to understand what this commitment is. So the first aspect of this commitment that we'll consider is, this is a commitment concerning one's relationship with the Lord. Look with me at Joshua twenty-four fifteen. It says, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And then it says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to zero in now on this this phrase, serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. This is the commitment that is being made. Joshua is committing himself to the Lord, to serve the Lord. But what we need to ask, and I think it just helps us understand this commitment totally, is what exactly does it mean to serve the Lord? He's committing himself to this, but what does it mean? The word serve speaks of working for another. It's, it's literally used in the Bible uh, for a slave, for a, a servant, working for his master, master, being in submission to his master. So as I have on the screen, serving the Lord is living in humble submission to God, where we live our lives for him and do his bidding. So it's this picture of a slave with his master, carrying out his work, carrying out what the master would have for him, God is our master, okay? And is saying, I will carry out, I will do the work of the Lord. The verse before ours is helpful. So as we consider what does it mean to serve the Lord, I wanna go a little further. And the verse before ours is helpful. If we look back at Joshua 24, 14, it also speaks of serving the Lord and it gives us a little bit more uh, detail as to what this means. Joshua 24, 14 it says, Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Okay, so we see several things from this, this verse, verse 14, that are helpful in understanding what does it mean to serve the Lord. The first is serving God involves honoring him. It says in Joshua twenty four fourteen. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him. This phrase, fear the Lord, speaks of trembling before God. You realize his greatness compared to, to yourself. And it's not, not, as I say, trembling, it's not necessarily that you're terrified of God, that you are just completely scared of him, but rather it's an honor. So you realize he is above you, he is greater than you. It's an honor. It's a reverence for God and who he is. So that comes with this serving of God, that you're honoring God, you're revering uh, him. Next, we see in verse 14, serving God involves being blameless. It says in Joshua 24:14, now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity. Sincerity. This word speaks of being complete, speaks of being whole, being guiltless, be, being without sin. The idea seems here with this word sincerity is to serve the Lord and, and speaking of being free from sin in that service, striving not to live a sin-filled life. So serving the Lord means following God's commandments, to obey, and how he has called us to live our life away from sin. And then the next thing we see in, in verse 14, considering serving God, is serving God involves Consistency. It says in Joshua 24, 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity, and then this phrase, and in faithfulness. This word faithfulness speaks of a constancy, a a firmness in, in your relationship with the Lord, that you're continuing to serve the Lord. You're not wavering back and forth. You're not just serving him sometimes or in certain places, but it's all the time. There's a consistency to your serving of the Lord. So as we consider verse 14, uh, that, last, that last sentence we're going to come back to in a moment, it, it adds on to serving the Lord. But for now, we see this commitment, this serving the Lord, that our, our memorable verse is this commitment that's being made in our memorable verse. This serving the Lord means that you submit to God with, with your life, you seek to revere him, to resist sin, and constantly, seek to serve him. That is the commitment that Joshua is making here when he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is what it means to serve the Lord. Now we consider this this commitment, and I I specifically want to move on and, and consider who this commitment is being made for. So our second aspect of this commitment is this is a commitment for the family. Joshua 24, 15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. This is usually the focus. I think this is why we we put it in our homes. It speaks of our house and, and specifically our families. That Joshua is not just saying this is for himself, but he includes all those in his household. He doesn't say I, but he says we. If you look at this, this phrase, he could have easily said, I will serve the Lord. But instead, he, he decides to include his family. He includes his household, and he says, we will serve the Lord. This is a commitment for the family. Joshua is con- committing himself and his family to serving the Lord. And as we consider that this is a commitment for the family, let me start out this, uh, start out by saying that those who do not have a family cannot zone out here, all right? This is not just a, a message for families, but it's a message for all of us as, as Christian people. So even if you don't have a family, this is still a message that applies to you. If you're a child or a teen, so you don't have, a, you don't have children of your own yet, you're not married, This should be a challenge to you to do everything you can support your parents' desire to serve the Lord as a family. So if your parents decide that they are serving the Lord, this is a commitment that they're making for their family, teens, children, support it, follow it, listen to them in doing so. If you're not married, okay, maybe you're still in in college, maybe you're out of the house, but you're not married yet, you don't have a family, This can be a verse to make you think about the future if God blesses you with a family. So even if you don't have a family now, you think I might have a family in the future, this is a message to think about the future. And if you may never have a family, maybe you're single or your spouse has died or your kids are moved out, this verse still applies to you. This verse speaks of my house. Those living within Joshua's house. You are the one living in your house, so this also applies to you individually. You are your household, so this applies to you as well. So though I will be mentioning families often, I think this, that's the direct application here, we see that this applies to all of us. So I'd ask all of us tonight, no matter your situation, no matter your, your life situation, be thinking about how this commitment that Joshua makes applies to you, no matter where you're at in life, no matter the family that you have. So Joshua's not not just saying for himself that he will serve the Lord, but he and his family will. And as we think about this, think about how Joshua would accomplish this for his family, we may think about the fact that no one can force someone to genuinely serve the Lord. So he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We might say, well, he can't change their heart. He can't force them to genuinely, sincerely serve the Lord But I think how we should take this is that Joshua would lead those within his household to serve the Lord. That for those that are in his his home, that there would be an expectation in his home to follow the commands of God. He's leading them, he's setting the expectation that we will serve the Lord, that they would learn about God, that they would value the things of God. And as we think about the fact that this is his family that he's making this commitment for, as we think about our world today and, and even some parenting styles that you may have heard about, there's a thought out there today when it comes to parenting of creating an atmosphere within a home that allows for any beliefs that is neutral. The parents have their beliefs, but the kids, They can do what they want, they can believe what they want, they can follow what they want. That parents will not teach the Bible in Christian ways so as not to force their children into that mold. They'll they'll give them choices, they'll present them choices of what they could believe. And I think this verse flies right in the face of that, that thought. This worldly parenting concept is not a biblical style of parenting, or, or a plan for parenting, it is contrary to how God directs Christian parents to raise their children. So we find here that Christian parents are to train their children to love and serve the Lord, teaching their children the gospel and the Bible so that they might come to a saving faith, so that they know the gospel, they know what, they, what to believe, that as a family you will prioritize God over all things. So the second aspect we consider is this is a family commitment. This is something that Joshua decides he and his family will do. He will lead them in doing so. This will be the the culture of his home. The next thing we need to consider about this commitment is that this is a commitment that is exclusive, an exclusive commitment. And for this point, we'll begin at verse 14. This is where we're kind of coming back to that second half of verse 14, and it goes into verse 15 you look with me at verse 14, it says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. And then it says this. Here's the exclusivity. Put away the gods that that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. So as we consider this commitment that Joshua is speaking of, this commitment to serve the Lord as a family, we find is an exclusive commitment. What I mean by that is it is a singular commitment. They are committing themselves to God and God only, they, that he is the only one they will ser- that he and his family will serve. Joshua makes this clear that they cannot serve both God and their idols. Joshua makes it clear that they cannot live a life of service of, to God and a life of sin. He shows us in verse 14. He says, get rid of your other gods and serve the Lord. So he's saying, if you're going to serve the Lord, you need to get rid of all of your other idols, all your other gods, showing that these two do not go together. You cannot have the one and the other. And then in verse 15, our memorable verse starts out this way. It says, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. He's saying, if you believe it's not right to serve the Lord, that it's a bad thing, it's it's something that shouldn't be done, then go ahead, choose which gods you will serve. It's very difficult as we think about what, what Joshua is saying here about this commitment, that it's singular, serving only God. It's a very difficult thing to exclusively serve the Lord as a family. And at first, you might be a little surprised that I'd say that. Your mind might jump to worshiping another god in another religion. And you might think about this and think, "I, I don't feel much of a draw to worship Buddha or to worship Allah or another god. But that's not what I mean for our context as we think about applying what Joshua says here. I think it's very difficult to exclusively serve the Lord as a family today as we can be tempted to serve other things rather than God. The things we're tempted maybe to give our time to as a family. The things we're tempted to make a priority over God. The things that direct and steer our lives rather than God. Though we may not think of it as worship and service, we are worshiping and serving these things. Maybe for your family, it's the idol of sports. Sports consume your family's life. They, they dictate the family's calendar. When there's a sport practice, competition, tournament, all other things go to the wayside. They, sports come first. Church and the worship of God are behind sports. And in our world today, this is a very common thing. There's mandatory practices, opportunities galore that exist for your children to be involved in. This is a huge temptation. And as I said, it's it's part of our world, so it's so normal. It seems so natural. They don't get involved in sports. The world tells you your children is missing out. They're going to fall behind in their athletic abilities. So maybe for you, it's not a statue. It's not another religion, but it's the idol of sports. Maybe for your family, it's the idol of fulfilling your child's dreams. Maybe sports falls into this category, but it could be other activities. It could be education that ultimately come before God when you are real honest about your family's time and the focus you're putting into things You prioritize fulfilling your children's dreams. What you think would be good for their future above God. And maybe for your family, it's the idol of entertainment. Making sure your children always have fun. Going on the best vacations. Having them get the best experiences. Let's say these are the biggies in our world today. The idols that we can worship, and as I said, we might not think of them as serving, serving these things, worshiping these things, but they come before God when it comes to our families. And the problem with these is that when these are the priority, when these are, as I said, dictating your calendar, the decisions you make, what you will do, where your children will be, then serving God cannot be the priority. If these things are the focus. If these are the things that come first, God can't in your family. So what Joshua is saying here is this commitment, all right, these things cannot be equal. You can't serve, serve them both. One has to come before the others. And just a, a clarification, as I'm stressing this point hard, does this mean your children can't do sports? You can't entertain them? You can't give them great experiences? No. It's not what I'm saying at all, but it means that these things must not be prioritized above God. That serving God and considering what is best for your children and the family's spiritual well-being, that needs to be considered first, and then these other things need to be considered second. That must be what determines what you will do, what will be on the calendar, what you will spend the most time doing. So I'd ask you to, to consider for yourself, consider for you and your family, what would you say it is for your family? Are you serving God, or are you serving one of these idols? There's one other thing I want to say about this exclusivity. If you look back at verse 15 with me, two different sets of idols are spoken about. Verse 15 says again, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods, your fathers, served in the region beyond the river, or... The gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. I think it's interesting, and I want us to pay attention to uh, the specific gods that he mentions that they could choose from that could be tempting to them. Joshua mentions their ancestor ancestors' gods, as he says, the gods of your fathers, and then second. He speaks of the gods of the world around them as he speaks of the gods of the Amorite in whose land you dwell. And as we think about leading our families to to serve the Lord, how your family will live, what you will do, how you will act, what you spend your time doing, we see there's two different directions that you could be tempted to go that are not serving God. It could be the home and the family you grew up in. The things you were allowed to do in your family. The things that were prioritized. Maybe the sin that you were encouraged to do. You could be tempted to do the same for your family. It is what you know, you're familiar with. It seemed like a good way of doing things, but as you consider it, this would not be leading your family to serve the Lord. The other direction you could go, kind of spent some time on this already, but you're pulled towards the worlds. The things that they value, the things they prioritize how the world raises their children, what they value for a family. It must not be the families we grew up in or the world that is determining how our families will live, but it must be the Lord and his word. It is an exclusive worship. It's a singular service to God that Joshua is talking about. So I'd ask you to consider, are you exclusively serving the Lord as a family? What idols are you drawn to? Next, we consider about this commitment. This is a commitment that is intentional. Intentional. Look with me at verse 14 again. Okay, it leads well and gives us the context for this intentionality. It says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And then verse 15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The words, choose this day whom you will serve. Okay, they, they apply directly to this choice between which idols are you going to serve. If you're not going to serve God, okay, choose which idols. So that's, that's where it du- directly applies. But this idea of choosing... Deciding who they will serve is what Joshua is calling the Israelites to do here. Joshua is calling them to serve the Lord. They need to decide to do so. And the point I want to make here is that this was something they needed to do intentionally. It couldn't go unspoken. They couldn't just hope it was going to happen that they and their families would serve the Lord, but they needed to intentionally and purposefully decide to do so. Not these idols but they had to choose to serve the Lord. So when it comes to our families, as you think about your family and serving the Lord, you can't just hope that you, your marriage, your your children, your family, will just happen to serve the Lord. You cannot just hope that maybe having a sign up in your house that has this verse on it will cause your family to serve the Lord. But parents... Talk about how you will accomplish this. Make a conscious decision that will, help, that will help you serve the Lord as a family. Talk about this often as parents. As you think about it, maybe you've just gone through the motions. You've said prayers. You've, you've brought your children to church. But there's no real intentionality about anything else you do within your home and how you operate as a family. Decide tonight with your spouse that things are going to change. Decide tonight that you will serve the Lord as a family. This is an intentional choice. It's an intentional commitment that you need to make. Next, this is a commitment made by a leader. Joshua 24 verse 15, and I'll just read the end, end part. It says, but as for me, But as for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to zero in now on who's saying this. I've mentioned it a bunch of times. It's Joshua. And and more specifically, this is Joshua, Israel's leader, who's speaking to them. He's speaking to all Israel. He's their leader Joshua is saying that he has chosen that he will serve the Lord with his life, that he as their leader is going to act in humble submission to the Lord. So Joshua has called the people of Israel to do so. He's told them to choose for themselves, and then he is saying what he will do. They have a choice, and before he knows what they will choose, he says and he states that he's determined already for himself he would serve the Lord. So he doesn't wait for the people and say, all right, let's see what Israel will do. But he is their leader. He sets out and he says to them that he will serve the Lord. I believe what Joshua does here should be a challenge to the leaders of our church, the elders. The elders of our church should be challenged to set the tone for serving the Lord within our church. The elders of our church are to stand as examples as Joshua does here for his family in saying they will serve the Lord. Have this on the screen, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3. Familiar verse, it says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, and then at the very end, but being examples to the flock. Elders are to be examples to the flock. The leaders of our church are to, to set the tone, to, to live rightly in godly lives. And we find here with Joshua, one of those ways that elders of the church are to be examples of godly character, one of those areas is how they lead their families. I think this is what First Timothy, I have this on the screen again, First Timothy 3, 4 and 5 speaks of this. It says, and speaking of the qualifications of elders, it says, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? So elders, you still have children in the home. And even if you have grandchildren, my question to you is, are you seeking to serve the Lord as a family? Maybe those that are just considering being an elder, maybe they think they're gifted to lead in the church. So prospective elders, in the coming years, you should consider, is my family serving the Lord now before I'm an elder? So we find this is a commitment specifically, not only, but a, a specific commitment for the leaders of the church, as Joshua was the leader over Israel. The next aspect of this commitment is related to, related to uh, this aspect of, of leadership, but I, I want to take a, a, our application in a different direction. And so our next uh, aspect is this is a commitment before the people. Okay, again, just highlighting the, the end phrase, but as for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. I want us just to consider the fact, as I mentioned, in the beginning that Joshua 24:15 it's it's part of a speech that Joshua is giving at the end of, of the time that they've conquered the land they've conquered it now and he's giving these speeches and he's giving them before all of Israel all people are present this isn't just a commitment that he's he's mentioned before God in his prayers by himself it's not a private commitment this is not just a commitment that he's made before his family, that, that he gathers the family together and says, we're going to do this. But this is before all of Israel that he's making this commitment. Joshua sets an example for all of Israel in this commitment. He provides Israel an example in making this commitment for he and his family to serve the Lord. And I, I believe this should be instructional to us for application in two different ways. The first is for those who have been serving the Lord with their lives for a period of time. So if you've been a Christian and, and you have, have led your family, maybe your children are out of the house now, but you've led your family to serve the Lord, take the opportunity to talk with younger parents. Get to know them. Seek to help them as they begin their families. Be an example to them. Joshua is an example in this commitment to all of Israel. Our older, uh, those older in the congregation who maybe have older children or children are out of your house, be an example to the younger families, the younger parents. Pray that the Lord would give you younger families that could learn from your example in serving the Lord as a family. As younger parents maybe come to you for advice, be willing to take the time and share what you've experienced, how you did things, the mistakes you made in seeking to serve the Lord, in the ways the Lord worked in your family. So that's the first way it should be instructional. The second way is for the younger, for the younger parents. My instruction to you from this is, look to those who are older, who have committed themselves and their families to serving the Lord. You can probably tell who they are as you talk with them. You can see it. You can hear it uh, by the things that they say, that they are seeking to serve the Lord and they sought for their families to do the same. Younger parents seek to learn from them. Be willing to ask them for help. Pick their brain about discipline. Ask them how they did devotions with their children. Ask them how they taught their children the Bible. Ask them how they, they balanced church with all the demands of life. Talk with them about having spiritual conversations with their children. As we think about our church specifically, we have a great opportunity within our church. We're intergenerational, okay? Sitting before me is not just all older people, it's not just all younger, but we have a a great mix within our church. We have many different ages, so those who are older should be looking to help those who are younger as they raise children, as they seek to have a godly home, and those who are younger should look to those who are older to help them establish A godly home. Now I want us to consider some specifics. So I've mentioned some, but now I want to get more specific as to what does it practically look like to serve the Lord with your or as a family. So our next aspect is this is a commitment portrayed in the pages of Joshua. So we'll really move away from our verse, but look at the rest of Joshua. And I want to just bring out three examples of how we see, though it's not specifically in just one family, but in all of the nation of Israel, how we see that serving the Lord uh, as a family, a concern for their children, the next generation uh, was definitely a priority. And we see an example from the pages of Joshua. The first way that I want us to consider is, is from the crossing of the Jordan River. In the beginning of the book of Joshua, God is, is leading the people of Joshua into the land over the Jordan River. He, he divides it just like he did with the Red Sea. And in the midst of all this, in the midst of this amazing thing that waters are divided, they're walking through, something very interesting and, and I would even say a bit surprising comes up. Joshua 4, 1 through 7, I'll read, uh, read it for us. It says, When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, The Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priests' feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Verse 4 says, Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, Whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. Then verse 6 ushers in this this point. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come. What do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So while they're, they're trying to get into the promised land, a very important event, God has Israel set up 12 stones. And these 12 stones would be a sign of what the Lord had done there. And as I said in verses 6 and 7, we see the real point of this, who this sign is to be for. It's not just that generation that experienced it, but it's for their children, the ones that that didn't experience this. God wants Israel to be concerned about and make sure their children know what has been done. God wants Israel to pass on to their children the work that he had done in their life. And, And just for the sake of time, I had it up on the screen, but we won't read it, but In the the same exact passage in chapter 4, it again is repeated, I think, to emphasize the fact of what they are doing here, that this is to be for their children so that they can also know what the Lord has done. So God makes it very clear that there's to be a concern, a focus for their children to know what he has done. So the, the application point from this first example in Joshua is parents, grandparents, this should be a challenge to you as you seek to serve the Lord, as a family, talk with your children about what the Lord has done in your life. Talk with your children about the, what the Lord has done in your life. So, God has them place things uh, in the, the Jordan River so that they would, um, or out of the Jordan River so that they would know what He has done, so that gave them the opportunity to talk about His work, what He had done. I think we should be challenged to do the same. So as you think about the question, what does it look like for me and my house to serve the Lord? I believe this is one way. Having open conversation about how God has saved you from your sin. Hey, does your, do your children know your testimony? How he saved you from your sin? How he brought you to himself? Share with your children and get grandchildren the way you have seen God work in your life. How he's protected you. Even how he led you to your spouse. Share with them how he has delivered you from specific sins. Speak of the ways as you think back over your life, how you've seen his sovereignty, how he's been at work in your life. Don't just let these things be for yourself, all right, things that you can enjoy that are helpful for your faith, but pass them on to your children and your grandchildren. God makes it very clear here that this is what he wants to be done passing on what he's done for us to the next generation. Move on to the next example, the worship at Mount Ebal. And I'll read this passage altogether together again, verses 30 through 35. It says, At that time Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones upon which no man has yielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the people of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. Verse 33, and all Israel's sojourner as well as native born with their elders and officers and their judges stood on opposite sides of the ark before the Levitical priest who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord half of them in front of Mount Gerizim, half of them in front of Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded at the first to bless the people of Israel. And then verse 34, and we see especially in verse 35 the point. And afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessing and the curse according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, and the women and the little ones, and the sojourners who lived among them. It should catch our attention that this isn't just for the adults, but we're told that even the little ones, even the children were present for this worship, for the sacrifice, for, for the writing and the reading of the word of God. It's stressed that no one was left out, even the children were included. The children would get to see the worship of their parents. The children would get to see the value that was placed on the word of God here in Israel. The children would get to hear the word of God read. The children were included and they would get the opportunity to see their parents and the rest of Israel's faith at work, their, their worship of God. And again, we find a very pra- very practical ways of living out me and, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the application for us, it's having your children participate in worship. You are here in this church. Your children are here with you, uh, part of the worship. So obviously you agree with this or value this in some way, but we see this is a, is a good thing. This is something that we should be doing. And as I think about my own life, I, I've grown up in this. I've, I've grown to greatly appreciate the fact that our church includes the children at a very young age in our worship. Just as Israel's children got to see their parents' worship, got to hear the word of God uh, read, our children get to experience our worship of God. They get to worship God as well. They get to see their parents listening to the preaching of the word of God. They get to hear it for themselves, including your children in the worship service and even taking time maybe afterwards to explain certain things. Is, is living out this verse of Joshua 24, 15, of, of serving the Lord as a family. Last example, the, the altar that is built by the eastern tribes. So this comes at the end of the book of Joshua, actually right before these two speeches in, in Joshua. And uh, just to give just some brief context, and then we'll read the passages, is several tribes decide they're going to live on the outside of the Promised Land, on the other side of the Jordan River, and they build a large altar at the, at the boundary of their, their land, and the rest of Israel on, that's in the Promised Land, they're concerned. They're saying, what is this altar that they've made? And, and they prepare for war, and they send a contingency down to confront uh, these eastern tribes. So uh, let me, um, just for the sake of time... We'll go to verse 24, it says this, and this is kind of their, their explanation of, of what they've just done by making this altar. Verse 24, no, but we di- did it from fear that in time to come your children might say to our children, what have you to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan a boundary between us and you, you people of Reuben and, and people of Gab, you, Gad, you have no portion in the Lord so your children might make our children cease to worship the Lord. Therefore we said, let us now build an altar not for burnt offering nor for sacrifice. Verse 27, but to be a witness between us and you and between our generations after us that we do perform the service of the Lord and his presence with our burnt offerings and sacrifices and peace offerings. So your children will not say to our children in time to come, you have no portion in the Lord. Just read that uh, for the time being. So the reasoning for building this altar is for their children's sake. They have a concern that their children may be forced not to worship the Lord. They make the altar in case Israel told the Eastern tribes' children that they don't belong to Israel. They can't worship Israel. This altar was a copy of the Lord's altar and would stand as a witness that they truly are God's people, they serve the Lord. And again, we have another outworking of Joshua, 24:15, "For me and my house, we will serve the Lord." The application for us is that we are to have a concern for our children's future spiritual well-being, that you have a concern for the potential, that they won't serve the Lord. It means to do things to guard them from turning from the Lord. It may be not allowing them to participate in certain activities. Maybe to not spend as much time with certain people. To not date certain people. It may mean making choices as a family to help your kids not be tempted to serve the Lord. It is having a concern for the future spiritual well-being of your children and making intentional decisions on trying to, to make sure that that doesn't happen. So the book of Joshua itself, it it provides us specifics. It it provides us what it looks like for a family to serve the Lord. Talking about the Lord's work, having your children participate in worship, and having a concern for your children's spiritual well-being. And then our last point, and we'll, we'll close on this point. This is a commitment not kept. I have a question mark there. Because I want us to jump to the next book of the Bible. At first, after this this Joshua twenty four passage, it seems like Israel's on board. It seems like they are, are fully serving the Lord and they're gonna get their families and, and serve the Lord. But as we come to the book of Joshua, now read for us Joshua two, verses six through ten. This is after they've been in the land for some time. It it says this in Joshua two, six. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. Verse 9. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in timnath Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And now pay attention to these words. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. I want to stress that very last part, that they did not know the work that had been done for Israel. After Joshua died and all those who experienced the things God had done for Israel died, the very next generation is said to not know the things God had done for Israel. Meaning that they were not passed on. That at some point the faith of the parents of Israel was not passed on to their children. Not only were their children not converted, it says that they did not know the Lord... But it also says, and it seems that these parents neglected in passing on the stories and the experiences that they had had of God and his work. They ultimately failed in serving the Lord as a family. This should be a warning to us. We do not want to have a generation that grows up like this generation in Judges. This should be a challenge to the young parents to serve the Lord as a family. This should be a challenge to the older parents or or the empty nesters to help guide younger families to walk with the Lord. This should be a challenge to us as a church to prior, prioritize passing on the faith to the next generation. Israel failed to do so. Will we? Will we fail to do so? That is what we, we must consider as, as we leave Joshua 24, 15. As, for, as, for as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Israel failed to ultimately do so. Will we? Let's close with a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this verse. We thank you for this verse that certainly uh, includes all of us. To, as we consider the commitment that we've made to serve you as individuals. But Lord, as we focus on tonight, as we think about our families, we think about our children, our grandchildren, even as we think about our marriages, Lord, I pray that any of us here have, have not made that commitment, and especially a, an intentional commitment to serve the Lord, I pray that we would do so tonight. But Lord, we realize it's, it's difficult, There's different directions that our families are being pulled towards and tempted to worship and serve other things. I pray that tonight would be a recommitment. For those that have have trusted in you and and are seeking to to serve the Lord as a family, I pray that tonight would be a recommitment to think about ways that we failed to do so and and ways that we can really seek uh, to serve the Lord as a family. Lord, help us to do this. We realize we can't do it in our own strength. God, I just pray that you would Help our church to have families that uh, are not only just attending church or only learning about you here, but, Lord, that in their their homes, in their families, uh, you are prioritized, you are worshiped, and, and the faith is being passed on to the next generation. Lord, we thank you for this text, and I pray that you'd help us to live it out. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this evening, and you are dismissed.